So we have a guest with us this morning who's going to preach, and I'm really excited. Uh, Gijo and I met, I don't know, two years ago. Um, our sons um, were on the same little league team. I think it was, it was like, not T-ball, but the level up from T-ball. So we had a, a thrilling season together and uh, <laughs> got to know him and uh, just really respect his, his leadership. He works, um, he's the executive director for um, Campus Outreach in San Diego, and that is a, a ministry, he, maybe he'll tell you a little bit about what he does, but he works with college students on different college campuses, just um, preaching the gospel. And um, really uh, have have seen God kind of you know work in and through his life um, and his ministry. So I'm stoked to have him here. He's gonna bring the word of God for us. So let's give him a hand. Appreciate that. Well, it's really good to be with you. And uh, I, is this this is okay? Correct to take this off? Yes. Okay. I want to make sure I'm abiding by all the rules. Uh, yes, my name is Gijo. My wife and three boys are right here, Amy, and it is really good to be with you guys. We we have loved your leadership uh, here. Uh, Obed and I have met really through Dan and Serena, and it's been a real pleasure to get to know him, love him. I love his presence. He's just, I don't know if you've ever hung out with him or if you don't know him, and when he gets back, I just really encourage you to get time with him because... Uh, I think within like 30 seconds, we're just laughing and he's just all present where he is. He's just very engaging and very loving. And I was like, I need him in, in my life more. So uh, sad to see uh, the way that God's been leading, but trusting that God is at work through that. And we just love uh, getting to be here. One other just thing to note, uh, a few, I guess it was like a year ago, I actually came to visit my son, what, older, middle son was playing soccer around here, I think it was. And we couldn't go to our church, so I said, you know what, I think their church is close by. I'd like to drop by. And so sure enough, we did. And you guys were so incredibly welcoming to uh, uh, Eli and I, my middle child, and and uh, so welcoming, uh, so much so that we actually stole a Bible from you guys. And, um, and um, so I thought about that as I drove up here, and I thought, I, I should probably confess that and get that out. It was, you were actually giving them away. There were these beautiful Bibles that actually you could write in. I don't know if y'all still do that. I'm not asking for them. We actually went and bought a series of those. So thank you for that. So that is a little bit of us. Uh, let me uh, jump right in. We're in the book of Acts. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to actually get into the book of Acts. Acts is probably one of my favorite, if not my uh, favorite book in the New Testament. And so you just gave me a good reason to, to sit under God's word a little bit more this week. And Acts is an incredibly... Um, significant uh story like what i love about acts is it's a story and you guys like stories i think you do i think my kids and i we watch a lot of different type of epic stories like the, the the avengers stories or star wars stories well a lot of what you see is kind of the ebb and flow and, and you really begin to see that in this book and acts 10 the chapter that we're in is a significant event in the history of humanity and it's a significant event in the history of the early church and uh, my wife and I actually had the opportunity this week to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota for just to visit some friends, had some meetings out there, and we get to go there from time to time. And while we were there, we took the opportunity to actually find out uh, the, the actual, the exact locations of where George Floyd was killed. And so we got to go walk around. It's, it's a barricaded uh, block now, so you can't actually drive through it. So we parked, we walked 
around, and it was incredibly sobering, right? It was very heavy-hearted to actually uh, begin to see those events. And I'm sure historians at some point will say, May 25th, 2020, you know, in the south part of Minneapolis on Chicago Street, a significant event happened in, in the life of, in the history of the United States. Well, Acts 10 is similar, but far greater in the sense of there's a significant event that's happening here in these four days that is not just to one nation, but it's to, to the entire world, right? It's not just to a certain people group in a certain time, but it's to all peoples at all times. And so this is very, very significant. And what's significant is that God's saving hand is going beyond a specific people and a specific place to the ends of the earth. The entryway of salvation has come to all of God's people. The people are being converted that didn't grow up as an Israelite or Jew in, in, um, in the time um, of the Bible. So that's what's so significant. And this is also incredibly significant because this is the storyline of the gospel. From Genesis to Revelation, you begin to see that this event in Acts 10 is what they've been looking forward to and looking back to. So even in Genesis 17, the, the, when, when you learn about Abram, Abraham, Abram becomes Abraham because he becomes the father of many nations. So even early on, it's not just one nation, it's, uh, it's early on. And when you begin to read through the prophets, you begin to realize that this Savior, this Messiah that is to come, is not just to a nation, but it's to many nations. I read this this week. I love this passage. Isaiah 49 um, says this, uh, verse 6. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob. This is a foreshadowing of, of Jesus, right? Like it's too small a thing for you my servant to be to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, God was saying, even back then, looking ahead to when Jesus was to come, that you're going to be a light to the nations. We see in the, the Great Commission, when Jesus commissions his people, he says, um, go and make disciples of all nations. We see in Revelation that at the end, when we're together around the, the, the Lamb of God, that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there worshiping the God, saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And so we see this, this storyline where salvation is coming that the, the message of christianity is that god is is coming after a rebellious people that have nothing to do with him that want nothing to do with him and he's coming back to bring to 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 bring them back home and that doesn't just include the israelites but thankfully it includes all people and and one more really significant reality to this if you need further proof just look around the room right the fact is that you and i would not be here if it weren't for Acts 10 and Acts 11, that uh, we would not be here, unless you're born an Israelite and know the salvation of the Lord that way, that we, would, we only know about Jesus because of Acts 10. So the one question I wanna ask, and I wanna process through together, is what's at the core of conversion, right? What's at the core of conversion? What's so central to God's salvation for God's people? If you're here and you're not a Christian, and you're really like investigating the claims of Christ, this is a really, really significant question to ask, is what's at the center of salvation according to Jesus? And so that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about. But before I go there, I just wanna say um, a couple things. Um, just a couple disclaimers. One, this is incredibly significant for three reasons. One, for you. Two, for your friends and other people that are around you. 
and three for praise, right? Like, this is significant because for you, I think that what I, what I really want for you is for you to have personal assurance and affirmation of your own conversion, right? That this morning, my hope is that you would walk away going, uh, seeing 2 Corinthians 13 come alive, which says this, examine yourself, see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? So my hope is that you'd be so affirmed and so uh, reunited <laughs> with the God who is in you, right? The, the second is that you would help others, not in a way that's judgmental towards others, but that you could help others with these thoughts from Acts 10. The third, and maybe most important, for praise. That this would, in a sense, for your heart to be reminded, to be melted all over again for the one who says, I love you, the one who says, I have chosen you, the one who says, I forgive you, I claim you as my own, the one who first loves us so that now we can love him. I, I remember back in the early years, uh, in fact, I'm, if I have time, I'll share a story about my engagement to Amy, but I remember back in those early years, whenever I think about those, we come across old pictures, you know, when we were very young, uh, almost close to 15 years ago, and we just look at those pictures and it just fills me with just such sweet memories, so thankful for God's work then, and it fills me into so thankful for our marriage today. And in the same way, when I think back to my conversion, when I came to Jesus and I think back of those memories of how young, how immature, how foolish, <laughs> uh, it just melts my heart all over again for the one who loves me, the one who's called me his own. So. Uh, last disclaimer, maybe it's two quick uh, Bible study tips, if you would. Like if you're ever looking at the book of Acts in particular, and even the scriptures in general, there's two quick tips I want to give you. One is that scripture always helps you interpret other scripture. So you ever having a hard time with scripture and some text is really difficult to you? Recognize that that text sits within context. So if you're having a hard time with the verse, look at the chapter. If you're having a hard time with the chapter, look at the book. And even as I just did a second ago, just kind of the, the storyline of God from Genesis to Revelation is where you find yourself. Look at this text in light of the gospel narrative. It'll really help to make sense of things. The second thing is that recognize that there are oftentimes descriptive texts as well as prescriptive texts. I don't know if y'all have heard this, but this is really, it was really helpful to me, especially in the book of Acts. But what do I mean by prescriptive and descriptive? Well, prescriptive is prescribing things for us to do. So when Paul says to Timothy, flee the, uh, the, the desires of youth, right? Like he's not just saying, you know what, there was just back then youth had like, like hard, like difficult desires, right? Like, no, that's a prescribing of what we should do today. If you want to run closer to Jesus, if you want to know the path of freedom away from bondage, flee those desires to the arms of Jesus. It's prescribing for us what to do. The other type of text often can be descriptive or describing what's going on. So an example of that is in the book of Acts, they choose to, they choose leaders by casting lots at the beginning, right? Like, I don't know everything about this church, but my guess is you didn't cast lots to pick Obed or Dan or anyone else in leadership, right? Like, that's just describing what's going on. It's not prescribing how to do things. If you did, we'll talk later. No big deal. And um, <laughs> really, no big deal. Um, my bad. Uh, I probably should have asked about that. So, all right, all those disclaimers put away. Let me just jump into what's crucial, what's core to conversion. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that I just want to put before you is what is so central and what's so core to Christian conversion is found in two words, but God. 
but God, this comes from this passage in uh, Acts 10, verse 27 and 28, and then we'll kind of backtrack and come back here. But let me just read this for you. Well, let me just uh, read. Um, this is Peter amongst a bunch of Gentiles who he wasn't supposed to hang out with. There were people that you're not supposed to be with, and he, he was uh, dealing with things that, that were very uncomfortable for him, and he finds himself in a group of these Gentiles, and he says this, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew Peter himself, to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You see, that in every conversion story, whether you're in this story or whether you just came to faith this week, in any part of the world, you will always look back and you'll see the storyline that's going on that God kind of begins to kind of interrupt and invade and, and he steps in in a loving way and he says, but God, this happened, right? Um, so when it comes to conversion, you can always look, you can always trace God's providential hand guiding and leading the way for us back to God or to Jesus. Like his sovereign power is at work, that his providential hand is always guiding us. And, and, and maybe this would be a, a way of uh, sharing this from my own life, is that in my own story of conversion, you know, there, there was, uh, for a time, there was a way in which I saw things. Like, I, I look back at my life, and I would used to say that I decided to go to church, which is a really true statement. Um, I shared, I would share with you that I realized I was a sinner. I repented. I got baptized. I started following God. I started learning how to minister to other people. Those are all true parts of my story. But it's missing a, a really significant part of that story. And it's really, but God. Uh, you see... God moved in my family uh, to actually put me in a place where I struggled morally. He really did that to pull away from me this false sense of righteousness, of self-righteousness, to help me see that I was a sinner. And even though I thought, man, we're just moving to a better place, a fun place, I've got a lot of new friends, but God was at work, despite me. Um, and God helped me see that as he began to move um, uh, God moved in us again, and he moved us again a, a second time in the middle of my summer before my junior year. And, uh, and yet, I began to realize that was not my parents, but it was but God <laughs> moving us. And God moved us uh, to a house. My dad thought that he was buying a house that he picked for our family, a, a, a wonderful house. But God was the one who was at work because our neighbor happened to be a gal who invited uh, us to go to church. Um, I thought my parents were moving me away from keeping me from my friends, and um, but God was at work. I thought that I was going to youth group just to, to make a better version of myself, but God had other plans. I thought I was trying to get religious, but God uh, honestly put a bunch of cute girls in this youth group to get me coming back around. <laughs> uh, but God uh, began to speak. I thought I was just taking good notes and, and becoming more and more knowledgeable but God was speaking and God was saving and God was doing um, so what's he doing here in this text well there's two beautiful things he does in this passage first but God is preparing Cornelius to hear the gospel second God is preparing Peter to preach the gospel right that God is at work and his hand is orchestrating so much here um, that he is on the move to see the salvation that comes not just to a people group, but to blow up into the entire world. 
So I just want to read this for you. Um, I just want to read this text to keep us going into it so you get a context of what God is at work, okay? Um, so I want to read starting verse 1 through verse 8, and this is uh, Cornelius's preparation to hear the gospel. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that was probably around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, um, he saw clearly a vision of an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, um, and he, he stared at him in terror. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended to the uh, as a memorial before God. And now send men of Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. I just love the, the details that God just kind of writes in. And how uh, very clear that God was at work through his angel, specifics of where to go, who to see, those sorts of things. Verse 7, when the angel spoke to him and had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among them who, he, who attended him. And having related uh, everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. <coughs> So you begin to get introduced to this guy, Cornelius. He's a centurion. He was a, a soldier. He was not just any kind of soldier, but he was clearly a man of power. He was uh, within the Italian cohort. And another just kind of uh, thing to note about him is he was known as a devout man. He actually feared Yahweh God, the God of the Israelites, and he would worship and serve him. And you begin to see that uh, God is just preparing him for this message. Let's keep reading. Peter's uh, preparation looked a little bit like this. The next day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the, on the housetop to pray uh, about the sixth hour. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while they were preparing, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. If you guys are familiar with Peter from the gospel stories, you can kind of go, Ah, the old Peter, he's back. You know, he's just always uh, impetuous in a lot of ways. He's just out there, and he's so bold and so brash, and I, and I, I love him and these things about him. By no means, Lord, for I, I will never eat of anything uncommon. The voice came to him a, a second time, says, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken away up at once. Let me just uh, jump, jump down to verse 19. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down, accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the man and said, <coughs> I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason you're coming? For they said, Cornelius the centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who, uh, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by an angel, a holy angel, to send to you to come to this house and hear what you have to say. I love that last line there. He's, they, 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 we have sent to you to come to this house to hear what you have to say. Jumping uh, down, the next day he rose down, he went with them uh, down to Caesarea. And Cornelius was expecting them. They called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and began to worship him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am a man. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of fascinating about that. 
There were other times where people would stop and bow down at Peter and the other apostles, and never once would they allow anyone to, to bow down and worship him. They would always say, no, 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 we are but men, you know. And there were also many times in which people would bow down and worship Jesus. And he would rightfully allow them to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's just beautiful to see who Jesus is even in this. So Cornelius, uh, so he goes on to say, and they, they talked, uh, he went in and found many people gathering. And then verse 28, what I read to you before, Peter says to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me, but God has shown me that I should not call any other person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you have sent me. So the first thing we want to note in conversion, any time in any place with any people is but God. Um, friends, when it comes to your conversion, just ask, where have you seen God's hand of providence guiding, leading you to Jesus? Um, <clears throat> we love because he first love us, despite our own efforts, right? Despite whatever you have sought to try to go after God, I want you to know Ephesians 2 is a beautiful passage. It reminds us of where we all stand and where we all stand before Jesus is, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins and the ways you used to walk. You are walking away a certain way. And then verse five says, but God being rich in mercy <laughs> made us alive together with him. So the first thing I want you to note is it's but God. The, the next three will go a little bit faster. The second thing I want you to know about conversion across the board, not just but God, but the second is with Jesus. That there is something that happens when a person is converted to Jesus that they come into a relational oneness, a union with Christ. And this happens in conversion. This is uh, to the person of Jesus. He's not peripheral, but he's, or he's not secondary. He is central to all of your life. And you know, because all other relationships and all other things of life begin to become ordered by this one relationship, relationship with him. You know that through his lordship over our lives, that he begins, you begin to see he's Lord, not just of Sundays, but he's actually Lord of Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and so on and so forth. Let me read this from the text. So Peter opens his mouth and he says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. You see friends, if we stop there, <coughs> And we just read that passage and we says, huh, what, what is this about salvation? What is it about conversion? You would just think simply, does Jesus even matter? Right? Because Cornelius, he was God-fearing. He was a devout man. Like, does the gospel really even matter? Right? Because all you have to do is really fear God and be acceptable by God. Look at Cornelius. He had these things. Just remember, whenever you have a question about text, look at the context. Right. Look at what's going on around. And one thing is super clear from this whole passage. And if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this, that the gospel of Jesus must be preached for us to come to saving faith in Jesus. Right. That the gospel is not just a gospel of good works or just of a, a good, loving God, but it is the gospel of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus um, that if it were for any other reason, Peter didn't have to come. There was no need for him to speak that he was fine. He was devout. He had all that it took. There was no need for a vision. There was no need for the rest of these verses. And yet the gospel is incredibly significant. It's, it is absolutely necessary for conversion. So just a couple more 
context references. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other name. Acts 4 says that uh, in which salvation is found outside of the name of Jesus. Romans 10 says, how can they call upon when they have not heard? How can they believe unless there be a preacher? How good it is and beautiful it is, the feet of those who bring good news and the good news of Jesus. So that's, let me keep reading. As for the word that he sent to Israel, uh, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. You see, these guys had heard the story of Jesus. Now they're beginning to meet this person that they've heard about through the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus, verse 38, of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. I love that. God anoints Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the, of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. I love that, that Peter is not racially bifurcating here. You know, he's saying, look, my people, the Jewish people, are the ones who crucified him. You guys are the Gentiles. You got to understand that. Yes, you got some stuff that's unclean. But I need you to know, we are guilty. We are the ones. <laughs> I just love that. A cross race, it just transcends. The gospel just transcends all of that. Um, he commanded us to preach to, to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To all this, the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him uh, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is so significant. Let me read that one more time. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his names. Friends, there's no other name in which we will be saved. So when I say the name Jesus, what does it mean to you? Like when you hear Jesus, what goes on in your heart of hearts? Is there a tenderness to him? Is there a sweetness? Is there a, a memory of him and even if you're struggling right now, and even if you haven't felt close to him, friends, is there a tenderness in your heart? Is, has your heart been melted with the love of Jesus, um, with his patience for you? You see, here's the deal. In, in a relationship with God can, can look at, at times like relationships with one, with one another. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes we get so enamored with the idea of someone that we actually really miss the person themselves, right? Like we get so enamored with the idea of someone. I, you know, we work with college uh, students. I have 10 amazing staff that are on three campuses. And so Amy and I don't get as much time directly with students, but indirectly we do. And, um, and there are times we get to counsel people. And so many times we get to counsel, whether it's young professionals or, or college students, uh, and we start, ended up talking about relationships, which is inevitable. And, and what we begin to find out often is that, you know what, I think this person's really more into dating than they are the person they're dating, you know? And what I'm saying is, friends, I can do that with Jesus. And I believe you can do it too. You see, we can get so into the benefits of, of Jesus that we forget the person of Jesus. Uh, we can get so uh, exposed, if you would. And if 2020 has done anything for us 
And when I mean by us, I mean the evangelical church. I mean you, I mean me. If, any, if, if 2020 has done anything to us, it has exposed to us a false Christianity, uh, the false benefits of Christianity that we've been leaning upon, expecting that to be Christianity. And friends, there's a, a sweet invitation to repent and see the true Jesus for who he is. If uh, 2020 has exposed anything in my heart, that, that I've cut out some passages and scriptures that just I've just have ignored, you know. Um, in Philippians, it says it has been granted to you not just to believe, but also also to suffer in my name. Uh, in the world, you will have trouble. You can just kind of look at my Bible and think I don't think he actually really believed that, <laughs> the way he's lived his life. Um, don't take them out of the world. Uh, Timothy says, if anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Friends, that there are. There's exposure going on. Like in a lot of ways, I'm thinking about this analogy. Uh, we're being told on. Remember when you're a kid, and someone told on you? Well, 2020 is telling on this soul, and is exposing me for the false idols in our church, and not just the things that I don't uh, that I I don't want, but the things I long for. Oftentimes, more than Jesus Himself, I want comfort. I want God to take care of everything here on earth for me. I don't want pain. I don't like discomfort. I, I have deep insecurities when it comes to death and finances and all those other things that come that have been uh, so exposed to me. I, I'm being told on. I think we are being told on. Um, one maybe happier story that, that I could uh, share with you from our engagement. Um, years ago, I'll, I'll never forget this. It was. Oh, I don't know, baby. 14 years ago? Yes. It was uh, 14 years ago we got engaged. And we, uh, un unbeknownst to me, we, my wife was living two hours away. and She drove in. She's coming in for a, a, a fun weekend together. And she thought we were breaking up, which, and I, I was hoping we were going to get engaged. So it worked out well. And, um, but it was, a, it was kind of a tumultuous kind of trip to the... Uh, to uh, be on my knees with a ring and well uh, the details I'll spare you the details if you want to hear them later I'm sure she'll tell you and um, but um, we uh, we sat on this couch beautiful home after being engaged and she uh, we, we got our phones out and started calling family members I let her go and it was like I think like 10 people that she called and it was a list of people that I wanted her to just family extended family dear friends that weren't able to be there and um, so we began to do that and over and over my wife said something that just began to kind of hit me every time she said it the, the first person she said it just kind of dawned on me the second person it hit me even harder the third person I was in tears because this is what she kept saying she kept saying I get to marry Gijo I get to marry Gijo I get to marry Gijo and why that was hitting me so much was because being in college ministry, being around a lot of young ladies at the time, uh, we had a strong ministry, you know, lots of students. It was in the southeast, so five campuses, 40 staff. I don't remember all the details. But I was just around a lot of girls, a lot of marriages. And what I saw over and over and over again was, I think, a beautiful and right thing. And that when, when girls would get engaged, they were thrilled about a ring. They were thrilled about a wedding day. They're thrilled about a, a, an event. They're thrilled about a dress. All good, right, and appropriate things. But my wife wasn't saying any of those things. She kept saying, I get to marry Gijo. And as I sat there after person number four and person number five, the Holy Spirit convicted me in such a beautiful way. And he said, Gijo, 
Oftentimes you are about the benefit of me and not me. And he granted me grace. And he granted me forgiveness. And he granted me a deeper relationship with God, the person of Jesus. You see, with conversion, friends, it's but God with a person. Is Jesus sweet to you? Is he better than life itself? Psalm 73, whom have we in heaven but you? Earth has nothing we desire besides you. My flesh, my heart fails, God. You are the strength of my heart and our portion forever. Friends, true conversion is with Jesus. And I know you struggle because I struggle, okay? With just the benefits of God. So that's why the, the rest of this passage is even more significant to build on. This is why I can't end here. Um, let me just put the last two points together, right? But God, with Jesus, the last two I'll put together. Spirit-empowered, human obedience, okay? Spirit-empowered, human obedience. Uh, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. I love that. Peter's speaking and the Holy Spirit is falling upon those who heard. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even to the Gentiles, the unclean. God would come to them. He would come to you and I. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water from baptiz baptizing these people? Who has received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some, some days. You see, conversion, when it happens in the life of a true believer, God begins to sovereignly move. <laughs> but God, we are moving in this way, but God leads us. Um, we begin to be one with Jesus. We become married to the person of Jesus. And along with that, we get this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a third person of the Trinity. And, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit is, is a friend. He's a gift. He is a person, not an it. It's not this kind of like Casper, the friendly ghost, but it's actually uh, the, Holy, the God, the third person of the Spirit. And this idea is that the Holy Spirit comes to live with us and he helps us walk with him, right? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit uh, guides us and takes us by the hand and brings us to Jesus when we've been straying away. The Holy Spirit, like, brings to, to our memory scripture and truths. The Holy Spirit, like, helps us. When I'm struggling to pray, when you're struggling to pray, Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us to pray. And the Holy Spirit takes us by the hand and leads us to heaven. And he passes through the valley of the shadow of death with Jesus holding us through the Holy Spirit. And he leads us into heaven. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a gift we receive when we believe. It's a deposit guaranteeing our, our, our inheritance. And if you are wondering, I don't even know if I know this or have this or even like understand what you're talking about. Friends, ask him for the Holy Spirit. He gives generously. Right? Turn from whatever else you're clinging to and turn to the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And, and the last thing, human obedience always accompanies true conversion, right? That human obedience, that human response, that you and I, we get up and we do something because of what we've seen and heard in the gospel, right? Like it's inevitable. And I want to be really, really clear here on this, but human obedience is not the root, but rather the fruit of being of God, right? But God, of with Jesus, spirit 
enables spirit-empowered conversion. The human obedience is not the root, but it's the fruit of those things that you can't help but start falling in love with the one who has uh, fallen in love with you. That human effort is motivated by and through the person of Jesus living within us. Friends, Acts 10 is a significant chapter. It is the moment in which salvation didn't just go to a select group of people. It's gone to the utter ends of the earth. And, and could it be that today that Acts 10 is a significant moment for you? That maybe you have thought to yourself, I am going my way. I am choosing the path of God. I am leveraging God for my benefit. <laughs> and you began to realize, oh no, but God put me here for a reason that maybe you came here for all the wrong reasons I know that I had to repent of that even this morning maybe you came here uh, more fixated on the blessings of God than the person of God maybe you've come here and you've forgotten that first love to the Holy Spirit and maybe the Holy Spirit is moving in you now causing your heart to want more uh, of Jesus than ever before uh, that you might want more of Jesus than anything else friends respond to faith in obedience to what the Holy Spirit would put on your heart as I pray. Let me go to prayer. And Father, I want to simply ask, would you speak? Would you be so kind to give the gift of the Holy Spirit? Father, would you put inside of us a love for Jesus that supersedes the benefits of Jesus. Pray that as those benefits come, that they would bring us to Jesus. As they go, they would leave us with Jesus. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would blow over this place and that you would be so pleased to bring life, bring about repentance, bring about a recollection of the true and living God. Father, you are the rock of ages cleft for me. Let us hide ourselves in thee.